actually the last portion of this series, and then uh, next week is Easter Sunday. Amen. How many of you have invited somebody to church for Easter Sunday? Wow, two people. Let me tell you, this week... It's time to get busy, all right? And, and listen, if you don't see people in person, maybe you're holed away in your house. Uh, there's this little thing called Facebook and Facebook Messenger, and you can send people messages and just invite them to church. But uh, let's, let's be in invite mode this week and, and get some, some invitations out there. Do you, do you know that 80% of people will come to church if they're just invited? 80% of people will, will come to church if, you, if we just invite them. So as a, as a Christian community, let's, let's get out there and, and invite people that need to be here. Amen? Amen. How many of you are in John chapter 12? All right, you guys are quiet today. You guys are quiet. Maybe I need to preach quiet today. No, I need to wake you guys up. Amen. Let's pray over the reading of the word today. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to come and worship you. Father, you you are so, so amazing. Lord, you move in our life. You give us what we need. Father, you just just do miracles and amazing things. Lord, I I just received a, a testimony as I was coming on stage from our bass player about a healing that you're doing in people's lives, Lord, that you healed somebody's body just this week, Lord. And over the past several weeks here in these altars, we have testimonies of healings, Father, because you're so, so good. Lord, we just give you praise for that. We give you glory for that today. Lord, we pray that you would just come in like a flood today into our hearts uh, as we celebrate what is Palm Sunday, Lord, as we celebrate the beginning of Holy Week, Lord. We just give you uh, all praise, and we focus on you this week, not on us, Lord, but we focus on you, and we pray, Lord, that you would just have your way in our hearts as we've been singing in Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Mr. Bob, would you turn on the under balcony lights for me, please? Thank you so much, sir. So today is gospel part four, and we're talking about the good news of the triumphal entry. The good news of the triumphal entry is what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, How many of you know what the triumphal entry is? Triumphal entry is that, that moment in time that Jesus came into Jerusalem, and he was proclaiming in that moment to be king of kings. He was proclaiming in that moment to be the Savior and the Messiah that everybody had been looking for. Uh, He chose to come in in a certain way that proclaimed that, yes, he is God. Yes, he is. And as he came in, people had no choice but to make a decision in that moment. Either we were going to worship him as God or reject him as just a man. And as we read in this scripture, we're going to see how people of both areas kind of did that. So in John chapter 12, starting reading in verse 12, it reads like this. The next day, a great multitude that had come to the feast, when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him and cried out. This is why we call it Palm Sunday today, because they laid down palm branches before Jesus as he entered the city. They cried this out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. That's what they cried out. How many of you know that today we still need to be excited about the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? Today, let me... Let me remind you guys, we are in a Pentecostal church this morning. 
and, and maybe you wandered in off the street and you're not so sure, it's okay. You can be quiet all you want. But if you're here every Sunday, I'm asking you this morning to get excited. Amen. I'm asking you to get excited and shout a little bit that, it, that we serve the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That no matter what is happening in your life and no matter what's going on that's on top of your mind as you walked in here today. And even if you walked in a little heavy, it's okay to start shouting and praising and giving him glory. Because in doing so, God will show up into your situation. Amen? And you say, well, Pastor Steve, my, that's just my personality, bro. Like, I'm just a little calm, you know, it's, and that's okay. I'm not picking on you. But, but if you're normally loud, I'm, I'm going to ask you to get loud today because it's Palm Sunday. Amen? It's an exciting time. And I'm not just going to ask you to get loud today. I'm going to ask you to get loud all week long. That all week in your worship and in your prayer time, you need to be getting loud and proud and just getting excited for what God has done and for what God is still going to do. Amen? That the Messiah came once and he died on a cross for all of our sins. And guess what? He's coming back again. Right, So we need to be happy, excited, rejuvenated, no matter what's happening in our life, and excited that God is God, that Jesus is King of kings, and we invite him in. Amen? Amen. Okay, I'll get back to preaching now. So, so they said, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They said, the King of Israel. The people were shouting this. Then Jesus, when he had found a young donkey, sat on it, as it is written. And uh, they're quoting out of the Old Testament here in John chapter 12. They're going back to the Old Testament and quoting, Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. They were going back and they were, they, were, they were talking about prophecies that were prophesied about the Messiah coming into Israel. And Jesus coming into Israel was meeting those prophecies. Why? Because he is the Messiah. He is the King of Kings. He is the Lord of Lords. Amen. And we worship him today a couple of thousand years later because it's true. Because he is. Amen. Uh, my wife and I were watching uh, TV last night. We were watching one particular sitcom series that, that we watch uh, on occasion. And, and it was a moment in time uh, coming into this Easter week where one of the kids in the household was invited to church and came in and happily told her parents, hey, I got invited to church today and I'm going to go to church with a friend tonight. And the parents freaked out, y'all. The parents had a, had a, uh, they, they grounded her and said, in no way, shape, or form can you go to church, right? And she was trying to sneak out in this sitcom to go to church, and they wouldn't let her do it because they felt some kind of way about church and church people. And in this sitcom, they, they grounded her and pushed at her until the end of the show uh, when she sat down at a table and went ahead and gave glory to God and Buddha and Allah and all these other false religions, and the parents looked on so proud. Can I tell you today that we're in a community, and, and we're in a world uh, that is pushing lies to our kids, pushing lies to our kids, pushing untruths uh, to the world and to the community, and we need all of Jesus that we got, amen? You need all of Jesus that you can get. You need Jesus on Sunday morning. You need Jesus on Monday morning. I mean, if you know, you definitely need Jesus to go to work and work with some of the people that you work with, amen? 
Right, Barb? So, so you, you need Jesus to go to work and work with some of the people that you work with. Uh, you need Jesus to drive on Highway 44. And I don't know what's going on with the traffic in our, in our county right now. Right? It's supposed to be coming into the time where all the snowbirds have left. Uh, but I think all the snowbirds decide to stay because they like it here, right? And, uh, and we're good with that. But the, but the roads are so busy. And, and you need all the Jesus that you can get trying to make a left-hand turn on Highway 44 in the middle of Inverness. You need all the Jesus that you can get for everything that you've got to deal with on a regular basis. And then not only what you deal with on a regular basis that comes against your flesh, but all the other junk that's pushed in our society as well. Amen. There was this huge uh, news release yesterday about a shoe uh, that a rapper has put out called the Satan shoe. Right. And it's got pentagrams in it. Uh, they took the ink, the red ink that they injected into the shoe. They put a drop of human blood in each ink, and, uh, and the shoe just glorifies Satan. And they actually put a Bible scripture on this shoe, but it's the scripture that says, I saw Satan fall like lightning, right? And it's a, it's a shoe that glorifies the enemy. And this is the kind of stuff that people are pushing in the world. And I just found out that that same rapper uh, produced a, a pretty awesome like like video that came out and hit the market. It was clean and everybody really liked it and everybody kind of got hooked on it. And then he produced a, a kid's book and started pushing a kid's book out into the community so that the kids were like, oh, little Nas, he's awesome, you know, and he wrote this awesome kid's book for the kids and, and then all this stuff. And then as people are following him and kids are starting to follow him, then he breaks out this satanic mess, right, the satanic videos and satanic shoes. Can I tell you today... Can I tell you today that we are closer than we've ever been to the return of Jesus? We are closer than we've ever been. And I'll tell you next week that we're closer again than we've ever been to the return of Jesus. And, and you just see it in a broken world and a broken society. Parents, grandparents, can I tell you today that you got to protect your kids? you got to stand up and speak truth into your kids because if you don't speak truth into your kids, ain't nobody else going to do it. Amen. If, if you're counting on the one hour uh, that, that Kennedy gives your kids on a Sunday morning or the one hour that Pastor Eddie gives your teens on a Wednesday night, that's not near enough. But every day when you get up, you've got to lay hands on your kids and pray over your kids and speak truth into your kids and speak scripture over your kids and be in protection mode because the world is nasty. The world is nasty, and we got to know that. Amen? Let me get back to my sermon. So, so, so they said, fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. And then his disciples did not understand these things at first. But when they saw Jesus glorified, when they saw the people worshiping the king, when they saw him being worshipped, then they remembered that these things were written about him. What did they remember that these things were written about him? They remembered that back in the Old Testament that they wrote these things and this is the Messiah. And this is the prophecies coming to pass that Jesus came in this point in time as all the prophecies in the Old Testament pointed to. Can I tell you today that the Old Testament uh, is all about Jesus? And the New Testament is all about Jesus. Matter of fact, it's, it's written this way. I've told you before, the Old Testament is Jesus concealed and the New Testament is Jesus revealed. 
Amen. That when you read your scripture, look for the signs of Jesus in all of it because Jesus is our Lord. He is our Savior. And the whole group of books is about him. Amen. Everything is about him. So Jesus was glorified and they remembered that these things were written about him and that they had done these things to him. Therefore, the people who were with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead bore witness. People were shouting, this is Jesus who I just saw raise a man from the dead. He had been dead not one, not two, but three days laying in the tomb and Jesus called him out. And his own family were scared to remove the rock because they said, by now he stinketh. Right? By now he is, he is surely uh, started to decay. Uh, by, this is the wrong time. Jesus, you're, you came a little too late, right? You came a little too late. You should have raised him from the dead on the first day before his skin started to deteriorate because what comes walking out of that cave right now is going to look like something from the walking dead, right? They were a little scared. They were on their knees, and they were scared to death of what was going to come out of, that, out of that cave, and they didn't even trust and believe that Jesus could do what he did. But then, lo and behold, uh, let me tell you today that we serve the kind of king, we serve the kind the Lord who called out Lazarus's Lazarus, I'm trying to say that name, called out Lazarus's name from the tomb, had some other people roll the rock out of the way, and out comes Lazarus hopping out of that tomb and into the in, into the into the area where all the people were watching. And he was still wrapped in grave clothes. So can I tell you that they didn't know what they were gonna get? They didn't know what they were going to get in that moment. He was still wrapped up like a mummy. But they began to unwrap him and began to unravel him. And can I tell you today that what they saw was a fully alive Lazarus. What they saw was a perfectly uh, a perfectly formed Lazarus. What they saw was perfect skin. And he did not stinketh unless he forgot deodorant for a couple of days, right? But he did not stinketh in that moment because we serve the kind of king and the kind of lord who can do big things. Amen? Big things, big things our, our Lord can do. My goodness, I ain't never going to get to my sermon. Y'all got me worked up today. Y'all were all quiet and got me worked up. And now you're getting the preacher in me. Amen. <laughs> so, so they said, therefore the people who were with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb, raised him from the dead, bore witness. That means they started to shout and say, this is the man who we saw raise Lazarus from the dead. This is the man who created this amazing miracle in our midst. This is the man that we saw uh, bring Lazarus out of the grave and back to full life. This is the man. And people began to shout and praise him in that moment. And it says, for this reason, the people also met him because they heard that he had done this sign. So people gathered around Jesus coming into Jerusalem, those who saw the sign and those who heard about the sign. They gathered around Jesus coming into Jerusalem and began to shout and give him praise. Amen. So why should you invite people to Easter service? Because just like the people who saw Lazarus raised from the dead, we need to be telling people out in our community and people that we work with and people that we go to school with and people that we serve with in other areas. We need to be telling people about how Jesus raised me from the dead. Amen? That he raised you from the dead spiritually. And we can't be quiet about it, church. We can't be quiet in this season. That especially this season is Holy Week and Easter where we celebrate what Jesus did for us. 
Amen. It's not time to be quiet, but it's time to, to be excited about who Jesus is and that he raised you from the dead and start to tell people. Because how many of you know that Satan shoe has got a lot of traction on, on social media? I want to make Jesus more famous than the Satan shoe. Amen. We need to go on, say, on social media and give Jesus some traction. You need to go on social media and tell your testimony and not 18 pages of it. Uh, listen, people will stop reading after the first five. Complete your testimony down to about five sentences and go on social media and tell it. I was, I was blind, but now I see. I was dead, but now I'm alive. I was dead in my sins and my trespasses. Didn't even know that I needed Jesus. But then here came Jesus and he saved me from my sins. And now I stinketh no more. Amen. Use the, use the King James Version if you got to. But I stinketh no more. Amen. Uh, now I'm alive and well because Jesus is good. So for this reason, the people also met him because they heard that he had done this sign. The Pharisees therefore said among themselves, you see that you are accomplishing nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. The Pharisees sat back who didn't trust Jesus, didn't believe Jesus, didn't like Jesus, were scared that Jesus was going to take control, was scared that Jesus was going to take over when they had been the people who had been in control. And they were scared and they sat back and they said, everything we've done has been for nothing because look, the whole world goes after him. Right? Look, the whole world goes after him. So the gospel, guys, is powerful. How many of you agree that the gospel is a powerful thing? We've been talking about the good news of the gospel for several weeks, and it's a powerful thing. We've discussed and talked about how the gospel of Jesus in the areas of our life, that God applies it, and it's powerful. It's powerful. But can I tell you today that the gospel is not only powerful, but it's personal. The gospel is not only for the world, but it's for you. The gospel is not only for you to tell the world, but it's for you to absorb in your own life. That you've got to recognize and understand every day when you get up that you are a child of the king because of what Jesus did for you. Amen. That Jesus paid the price so that you could enter into, into this family so that you could take hold of the vine, which is, which is him, and that we can enter into heaven because of what Jesus did for us. That every day we've got to keep that in mind. So today I want to talk about the triumphal entry. This is the time that Jesus came into Jerusalem that we've just read about in Scripture. But I want to talk about three truths that are found in the good news of the triumphal entry. Not just the, the good news, but how many of you know good news means the gospel, right? And the gospel means the good news. So I want to talk to you about three truths found in the gospel of the triumphal entry. So we find ourselves here in John chapter 12 as the Jews begin to gather in Jerusalem for Passover. Uh, most of us this week or, or next week, and I've heard of some people did it last week, but, but most of us will come together as family of friends and have an Easter meal together. Right? How many of you will gather with some family or some friends or at the Chinese restaurant, but wherever you go, that you'll gather with somebody next Sunday and you'll eat a meal together? Right? This was a season and a time that we do this to celebrate what Jesus did for us, uh, but also the Jews did this during this time because it was Passover. They were getting ready to celebrate Passover. It was Holy Week. It was Holy Week and they were celebrating Passover. So the Jews during this time, the Passover is the celebration commemorating when God rescued Israel from slavery and bondage of Egypt. 
God rescued Israel out of the clutches of Egypt. Egypt was being evil and treated them subhuman and was and were mean and nasty to them. And they cried out to God and God came and rescued them. So this is the point in time when the Israelites celebrate being rescued from, from the angel. And then they, they call it Passover because the angel of death literally passed over every home of the Israelites during that time. Angel of death visited every home of the Egyptians and passed over every home of the Israelites. And the Israelites recognized that God was indeed fighting for them. God was indeed on their side. And so they, they chose to celebrate uh, Passover every year from the time they came out of the wilderness and went into the promised land. They celebrated Passover every year to celebrate what God had done in their life. Can I tell you that's our Easter? That's our Easter. It's, it's not just a time of Easter bunnies and Easter eggs, although we'll use them and we'll, we'll, we'll give them to the kids and bless them. And we're going to do that this Saturday morning coming up. And we're going to bless the kids at, at 10 o'clock, have some bounce houses, have an Easter bunny, have some Easter eggs. But then we're going to make sure that they know what Easter is actually about. Amen. That we're going to talk about the gospel. We're going to talk about that. And then we come in on Sunday morning, Friday night. We have a, a good Friday service here at 7 p.m. And then we're going to come in on Sunday morning and we're going to uh, listen to the gospel again, talking about what Jesus did for us. And then we're going to leave this building and go spend time with, uh, hopefully, with friends and family and celebrate what God did for us. Can I tell you, just like Passover was for the, for the Israelites, Easter should be for the Christian. It should be a time of, of, of celebrating and being glad and being happy in our heart for what God chose to do for us, that God rescued us. Amen? Amen? Thank you. Woo! Y'all are sleeping today. So, so this year is different. Every year they celebrated Passover. Every year they talked about Passover. But this year is different because all of a sudden there's some scuttlebutt going around Israel that maybe, just maybe, the Messiah is in their midst. All of a sudden neighbors are leaning across fences and neighbors are poking their heads in windows and saying, Did you hear uh, about this Jesus guy? Did you hear about what Jesus did? Did you hear that he might be the Messiah? And people started talking about it and spreading the news and telling that the, that the Messiah was coming, that this Passover was totally different from any other Passover before because this year the Messiah had come. This year the Messiah was coming to Jerusalem for Holy Week and the Messiah was going to be walking in. So, so could it be the Messiah? Is it the Messiah? He's raising people from the dead. He's restoring sight to the blind. Like he's doing all of these things and even in earshot of the Pharisees, he has, he has claimed in not so many words to be uh, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He has claimed to be God. Is this the Messiah? And that's where the people were during this time and season. They were ready to celebrate. They were ready to have Passover meal. But the greater news this week was that the Messiah just might be here. That was the greater news this week. So the first truth is this. The expectations of the people were specific. The expectations of the people and they, what they wanted from Jesus were specific. They accompanied Jesus into the city shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. Can I tell you that during that time under Roman rule, uh, they, were, they were really risking a lot for worshiping Jesus coming into the city. 
the Pharisees were standing back. And can I tell you, even though the Pharisees were the leaders of the church at the time, they were not good men. Right, they were evil-hearted men, and they stood back and they and they watched as people worshipped Jesus as King, and then he literally, they literally said, "The King of Israel." Can I tell you that during that time, Israel had a king? He wasn't much of one, but they had a king during that time. But they were also under Roman rule, which meant that they were subject to the Roman government and they were subject to the Roman emperor. Right? They were under this rule. So for them to rise up and declare that somebody else was the king of Israel, they were putting their lives in danger. They were putting everything in danger. But can I tell you, it was such a big crowd. It was such a, a huge crowd that the Pharisees didn't dare go against it. They just stood back and watched. And the Roman centurions didn't dare go against it. They just stood back and watched and began to talk about what was happening. It was a huge crowd that came in, but they had specific reasons to be worshiping Jesus during this time. So Israel found itself in another jam. How many of you are, are lovers of Scripture and you've read through Scripture and you've seen time and time again where Israel found itself in a jam? Right? Israel from decisions they made or enemies coming in. But all of these situations, there's many times that Israel found itself in a jam. And in this moment, they were under cruel Roman control. The land was occupied by Roman governor and Roman soldiers. And then they were taxed an unfair amount. And all the taxes didn't even stay in Israel. The taxes went to Rome. So they were taxed an unfair amount. And the money wasn't even going into their own community. The money was going to Rome. They were under cruel control and cruel government. The people uh, were looking for and excited for relief. They wanted relief. So when these people who were under this government control were calling out, well, the, the Messiah is here, they were thinking, great, he's going to run out all the Romans. He's going to stop these unfair taxes. He's going to take the, the rightful place on the throne and kick out uh, Herod, who was just a, just a partier and, and wasn't even really doing anything other than, than, than sucking up to the Roman government. right? He said they're going to kick him off of the throne and Jesus is going to take his rightful place and he's going to do that because he loves us. And all of these people were specifically shouting and they were so excited for relief of what they thought Jesus was going to do. But what they thought was going to happen was totally different than what was actually going to happen. We know that now because, you know, we've got the Bible and we can read it and we understand what happened and we know, all right, we, we've read the Gospels and we know the story and we know exactly what happened. But they didn't know what was going to happen at the time. They just know that the Messiah was there. If the Messiah was there, he must have been to take over Israel and reign as king. How many of you know that God's plan is usually different than our plan? Anybody ever make plans and then God just upsets them? Right? Happens all the time, doesn't it? God's plans are, listen, our plans rarely contain God's plans and God's plans rarely contain our plans. Our plans typically go in the face of what God's plans are. God's plan, God doesn't think the way we think. He thinks way above the way we think. So obviously when he's working out a plan for our life, it's way above our ability to comprehend what could possibly happen. Right? So rarely do we line up with our own plans with what God's plan is for our life. So, so all of this was happening and all of this excitement and all of these people were worshiping Jesus and the Romans were nervous. The Romans were nervous because they didn't need an insurrection on their hands. 
They knew that there was going to be a lot more people in the city during this week than normally is. They knew already it was going to be hard to control and keep their power and keep their thumb on the, on the Israelite people. They already knew that. But then all of a sudden this, this character comes in the city and people are worshiping him and calling him king. Can I tell you today, the Romans got nervous. The Romans were nervous. So, so we look at this and God's plan how many of you have found yourself in a jam and maybe you did it to yourself or you're the victim of somebody else's doing, but you're in this jam and you need help and then you've been praying and you've been praying for God to, to show up and just, and just take you out of this situation, right? And for God to show up and be God in your life. And you've been praying for that, but when he shows up, he does something completely opposite of what you expected. He does something completely different, right? God shows up, but it's so different. So these people were quoting Psalms 118, verses 25 through 26, as Jesus came riding into the city. And, and this is a sign that they believe him to be Messiah because they were shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna. Well, Hosanna means save now. That's what Hosanna means. It means save us now. Like this, we, we've been through too much. Right, we're under this Roman rule. Jesus, if you're the Messiah, save us now. And that's what they're proclaiming to him as he's coming in. They're saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, save us now. Pray, O Lord. O Lord, I pray now, send prosperity, Father. Prosper us. Take us out from under the thumb of the Roman rule and prosper us, right? Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They were worshiping Jesus at this moment in time because they were looking to get something out of it. Whoo. I wonder how many times we today worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords because we're just, we're in a jam. And we just, we're looking to get something out of it. We're looking for, for God just to, just to show up and get us out of our specific jam that we've gotten ourselves into that we need help with. Right? We want God to show up in this moment, in this time, in this way, wearing these clothes, saying these words, and doing exactly what we tell God to do. How many of you pray in specifics sometime? And I'm not against praying in specifics, but if you ever find yourself going, God, I need you to show up on Tuesday afternoon at 6 p.m. and God, uh, wear that white suit, you know, and, and, and just show up at 6 p.m. and I need you to say these words to my enemies right in front of me, you know, so that they, they see me, you know, they see you loving on me and, and chastising them. Or God, you know, at Friday at 1 o'clock, I just really would like for you to drop a check for $378.50 in my post office box so that when I come over there to check the box, I've got a, a ticket to pay the rent, right? Or, or we, we pray in specifics sometimes. How many of you know when we pray, we should be praying God's will first and foremost? Right? Is it, is it wrong to pray and ask God for your needs? Absolutely not. But that should come after we've already worshipped. We've already worshipped him for who he is and what he's already done. And we've already asked for his will to be evident in our lives. And then at the end of all of that, and we say, God, if you see fit, these are some needs that I have that, that I really uh, would love it if you would meet in my life. And how many of you know God does and will meet those needs? But the Bible also says that we have to have the proper heart coming before him to ask him to see those needs met. That if we go before God with an improper heart and we just ask for the needs because we're in a jam in the moment. And God knows that the minute he gets you out of that jam, you ain't going to show back up to church for 16 weeks. And the minute God gets you out of that jam, you ain't going to pray or read your word for another six weeks. You ain't going to do nothing until another jam comes back into your life. What is God's motivation to get you out of that jam in that moment? 
I think that God has higher thinking in those moments than just the, the personal jam that you have to be in. And that was the case for Israel in this time when they were worshiping him as king because they thought that he was going to rescue them from Roman rule in that moment. They said, save us now. So, so the problem is that they wanted things done their way, right? The truth of this triumphal entry is, is, is that Christ, the, the truth is the triumphal entry of Christ is also seen in our own lives. Pastor Kenny got up here and he didn't know my notes and he didn't know what I was preaching on today. We hadn't discussed that. And in his prayer up here, he said, Lord, let us not only celebrate your triumphal entry into Jerusalem, but let us celebrate your triumphal entry into our hearts. You know, that there was a point in time in your life, like for Pastor Kenny, it was 1972. There's a point in time in your life when Christ made a triumphal entry into your heart. Amen. That we celebrate that as much as we celebrate him coming into Israel on the triumphal entry on this day on Palm Sunday. So when Christ enters our lives, guys, we must submit to his will for how it's going to go. We've got to submit to him for what he wants to do. Can I tell you today that we can't invite Jesus in as king and still be in charge? Man, oh man, do we want to do that. How many of you in your flesh recognize and know that I want Jesus to be my king, but I want things done my way? I want Jesus to be my king, but, but Lord, I need you to do it the way I've asked you to do it. Jesus, you're my king, but I'm still on the throne, right? That we've got to recognize that in this moment, when we invite Jesus in to be king, that means that Jesus is king. When we give him our heart and we say, Lord, you rule supreme in our lives, then we're recognizing that, God, you've got to rule all of our lives, right? If Jesus is king, let him be king. Let him rule in your life. Amen. So on Sunday, we see this moment, but on Sunday, the people laid down their coats and their palm branches for the colt that Jesus was riding to step on so it didn't have to step on ordinary ground in honor of the king. They pronounced Jesus in that moment Messiah in front of the Roman centurions, in front of those, those Pharisees. Announced him as Messiah on that Sunday, Palm Sunday. And then these same people on Friday afternoon, not even a full week later, shouted crucify him. Man, if that's not an indicator that they were worshiping him with the wrong heart. They were worshiping him with the wrong attitude. They were worshiping him, wanting to get something from him, not recognizing that he was their creator, that he was God, not recognizing who he was and worshiping him just for who he was, but they were worshiping him because they wanted relief from their situation. And then when they didn't get relief from their situation in just five short days, they shouted, crucify him. Sunday, when they thought they were getting what they wanted, they gave him palm branches. On Friday, when they realized they weren't getting it the way they expected, they gave him thorns. They were turning on Jesus. Truth number two in the triumphal entry is this. Jesus fulfills prophecy to declare that he is the Messiah and also to indicate that the people can trust him with whatever happens. 
Because the truth of it is the Messiah was never a band-aid. The Messiah was never something God intended and preached throughout Jewish history and throughout the history of the Old Testament to be a band-aid for a particular situation. That's not what the Messiah was about, but that's what the Jewish people expected in the moment. Is Jesus come in and be our band-aid? And Jesus is saying, you're right, I am the Messiah. And he's saying that in his actions by how he chooses to come into the city which fulfills prophecy. And he says, I am the Messiah. You're absolutely right. But guess what? No matter what happens, trust me with the outcome. Man, in our own life, how many times do we need to recognize that? God, you are the Messiah. And no matter what happens, I trust you with the outcome. No matter what's going on in my kids' lives, Lord, I trust you with the outcome. No matter what's going on with the doctor's report, Lord, I trust you with the outcome. No matter what's going on in my marriage or my relationship, Lord, I trust you with the outcome. No matter what I'm personally dealing with and struggling with, Lord, I trust you with the outcome. Right? Jesus is, 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 is here today just like he was there then saying, I am your Messiah, I am your King, I am your Lord, now trust me with the outcome. Amen. This is what Jesus is saying in the moment. So, so they also quote Zechariah 9.9, a prophet from the, from the Old Testament. They quote Zechariah 9.9, and they quote him in a particular way. They quote him as saying, fear not, daughter of Zion. Fear not daughter of Zion. But if we do a little digging, we recognize that the way they quoted it was written just a little different than the way it was written in Zechariah. And I've looked at the New King James Version in John 12, 12, and the New King James Version in Zechariah, so I know they were uh, transcribed in the same way. And I, I look at this, and the fear not is actually simplified phrasing of the writing that Zechariah writes in chapter 9. In, in Book in chapter 9, verse 9, it's actually a simplified phrasing of what he writes. And what he actually writes is this, rejoice greatly, shout, and behold. Rejoice greatly because your king is Jesus. Shout today because he has come to rescue you. But behold, because in the way that he rescues you might look different than what you expected. Behold, because the way that Jesus moves in your life might look different than the way you anticipated. Behold what God is going to do because his ways are so much higher than my ways. Behold what God is about to do in your life. So in all of that, they put into fear not. Fear, fear not, Israel. And you go back to Zechariah and he's saying, fear not means rejoice. Man, rejoice gladly. Man, shout. Somebody give me a shout this morning. They heard that online. Rejoice. Shout. And behold. Behold and look what I'm going to do. As Jesus is coming into the city, the people are quoting Zechariah 9 but they're simplifying the phrasing, saying, fear not, save us now. Fear not, save us now, Lord. But we, we fear not and save us now. Get us out of this Roman rule right now. Ooh, Rome's going away. 
Thank you, Jesus. Right? This is kind of where they're at in this moment. They're, they're, they're dancing and, and saying, ooh, yes, ooh, I, I ain't even scared of Rome no more because the Messiah just walked in and he's about to deal with all of y'all. Right? You can see Israel up in the Roman centurion's face going, na 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 The Messiah's here. And then five days later, they're going, why ain't this man done toppled over Rome? If he's the Messiah of God, why hasn't he changed my personal situation? If, Lord, if, if you're Lord, if you're God, why ain't you changed the doctor's uh, notice yet? If you're God, why haven't you changed my circle of people who are coming against me right now? If, if you're God, why haven't you healed my marriage? If you're God, why haven't you brought my prodigal kid back into the fold? And, and we can read this and talk about how Israelite was so uh, short-sighted in their view of what God was supposed to be in their life. But we recognize and know that in our own lives we can be the same way. We can be so short-sighted in what we expect from God. God, I need you to show up at Tuesday afternoon at 3.58. Wear that white suit I like so much. And write me a check. And God's saying, son, daughter, that ain't how I do things. If I show up at Tuesday at 3.58, it's because I want to. And we got to recognize that he is king. He is king. So we can trust God's plan then, and we can trust God's plan now for our lives. No matter what you're dealing with right now, you can trust God then, because now we see the bigger picture of what actually happened and what occurred and how it was so much bigger than Roman rule. And we can see that now. But we get short-sighted in our own lives trying to get a, a simple cure for the moment right now. And we've got to recognize that in this moment right now, God still has a plan just like he had a plan then. But his plan is so much greater than what you can understand. And you may have to deal with a little more suffering. And you may have to deal with a little more aggravation. And you may have to deal with a little more pain. But when God shows up and completes his plan, you're going to go, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. This, this is so much better than I anticipated. This is so much greater than the way I could have wrote it, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for showing up. So can I tell you today that church in this week that we celebrate our freedom? We as a church family this week, we're celebrating our freedom. That's why I'm looking for jubilation out of you today. That's why I'm looking for you to be excited today. That's why I'm looking for you to tell people this week because it's amazing that this week we celebrate our freedom. But it's not Independence Day. It's not our freedom from old King George in a powdered wig. That's not what we're celebrating this week. It's not even Juneteenth, which is a celebration of, of, of slaves being turtle uh, uh, When the last group of slaves heard the word that, that slavery had been overturned is Juneteenth. It's not even Juneteenth that we're celebrating today. It's not Cinco de Mayo when the Mexicans celebrate their independence from Spain and we celebrate tacos. It's not even Cinco de Mayo. Countries have been liberated countless times throughout history. Slaves have been set free hundreds 
of times and hundreds of different people groups throughout history. Political parties have changed rule thousands of times throughout history. But today, we celebrate the one time in all time that God sent his son to endure the pain of the cross to be the perfect Passover lamb. Not to temporarily end our suffering and put a band-aid on our pain. Not to change a political party and run Rome out of town. Not to end the occupation of these centurions in a foreman army. Not to end unjustified, inhumane treatment of one group of people against another. Not to supply a temporary prosperity that runs out quickly like a stimulus check. But to give you the end to the human condition that began in Genesis when Adam and Eve sinned and invited a curse upon this earth and there was no way that any of us could be good enough to overcome that curse. And there's no way that if any of us were in Adam and Eve's shoes that we wouldn't have eventually sinned also. But to send his only begotten son to a group of rebellious people, to a group of sinful people, and say, I love you, and I'm providing a way for you to have eternal life. That the sufferings of this, of this present age mean nothing compared to the glory that awaits us in heaven. The suffering of this present age or anything that we've been through, be it slavery, be it overruled by governments, be it uh, cheating false governments in reign over us, be it whatever it is, nothing in our present sufferings compares to the glory that awaits us in heaven. Amen. That we have to recognize and realize today, church, that when we celebrate freedom, the first freedom we should be thinking about is our freedom from sin, our freedom from the bondage of death in the grave, that Jesus set us free, that Jesus broke chains, that Jesus gave us the way to get to eternal life in heaven, that Jesus is God, amen, and he loves you and he loves me, and he did what he did while we were yet still sinners. My goodness. That's the kind of freedom, that's the kind of freedom. Truth number three is this, Jesus entered the city as king. Jesus entered the city as king, but not as people expected. In John 12, 15, part B, the second part, it says, Behold, your king is coming sitting on a donkey's he was fulfilling prophecy of Zechariah 9.9, which said, Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. Not even a full-sized donkey, but he's coming riding on the baby of a donkey. He's riding on the baby, the colt of a donkey, that his feet are probably dragging the ground as he comes in the city, that he's riding the colt of a donkey. Have you ever heard of the phrase high horse? Anybody ever told you, man, you need to get off your high horse? You ever told anybody else, man, you need to get off your high horse? 
right? There's a phrase called high horse, and it, and it actually means something. Warriors used to enter the city on tall horses. The taller the horse, the better. Military leaders would enter the city on horses that were hands taller because that's how they measured horses by hands, that were hands taller than the warrior's horses. And then when kings entered the city, kings entered the city on the tallest or the highest of horses. Because if you were a king entering a city, you needed to let everybody know that you were in charge, that you were king. And yet our king chose in his triumphal entry all the way back in the Old Testament, all the way back in the garden, said, I'm not going to come in the way the world would view a king. I'm not going to come in and do it your way. I'm going to come in and do it my way, lowly, riding on a donkey. No, not just a donkey, a foal, the colt of a donkey. I'm going to come in on the lowest of animals and ride into the city because I'm not going to do it the way the world expects me to do it. Amen? We measure horses by hands today. I, I looked up in the Guinness Book of World Records, what's the tallest horse? Tallest horse in 2018 was 20 hands tall. So that's 82.75 inches from ground to shoulder, not to head, from ground to shoulder. I'm about 70 inches tall. So his shoulder would be a whole foot and an inch taller than my head, not to mention his long neck and his head. So this horse is known as Big Jake. He was the biggest horse. And then by, com by comparison, the smallest horse was known as Thumbelina. Thumbelina is 17.5 inches tall. So if you want to look at a comparison, uh, Tim and Renitra, come here for a minute. So you just view Tim as Big Jake. I think I just gave him a new nickname. So we got Big Jake and Thumbelina, right? Big Jake at 20 hands tall, Thumbelina at three or four hands tall, 17.5 inches. Thank you, guys. See, a king doing it the world's way in the world's eyes wants to enter on, on Big Jake. He wants to show you how bad he is, how powerful he is. Can I tell you today that the one who has all power doesn't have to display how powerful he is to you. The one who is king of kings and lord of lords and, and, and reigns over everything doesn't have to show you how powerful he is by how big of a horse he rode into town. But the king of kings and the lord of lords came in on the foal of a donkey. If you read Matthew, Matthew literally says there were two donkeys. They untied them both and brought them to Jesus. One was a mother and one was a colt. And Jesus picked the colt and sat on it and started riding into the streets of Jerusalem. And although he didn't come in on a big horse as a warrior with a, with a sword and a shield, and an army to overthrow Rome. The people recognized something. 
The people recognized that prophecy was being fulfilled, that he was indeed the Messiah, and that he was coming into Jerusalem to make a change. But they didn't know what that change was. Pastor Brad, come help me close. Just like Zechariah says, Jesus entered the city in the most lowly and humble way. He was absent of sin. He was absent of arrogance and pride. But he was full of compassion, full of love, full of forgiveness, full of people who he knew was still going to shout, crucify him in five days. And he rode into the city showing that who he was, that he was the king of kings. Guys, there's, there's a tons of times in our life, in our personal life, that we expect Jesus as our king to do a work in our way. But I want to challenge you today and this week, especially in this holy week moving forward, to quit telling God how to do his job. And make a decision today in the moment that, God, whatever you want to do in my life, God, however you want to deal with this situation, I lay it at the cross. Would you stand with me, church? Messiah for a moment. Focus on your king. And if you're guilty today of having told God exactly how to work and being mad at God when he didn't do it the way you expected him to do it, being frustrated with God because things maybe aren't exactly like you expected them to be in this moment in time in your life. But if that's you in this place today, would you just symbolize to the Lord, nobody looking around, between you, me, Pastor Brad, and the Lord. Nobody looking around. Just lift up both your hands and say, Lord, I surrender it to you. Whatever that situation is, I surrender it to you today, Lord. Whatever that fear is, I surrender it to you, Lord. And I'm, I'm going to cease today. And, and Father, you see all of us that have hands raised in this place. We, we determine and decide today, Lord, to trust you as king. Father, that we're going to rejoice despite our situation. That we're going to shout our way through the difficulties and the pain and the hurts. Father, we're going to behold. We're going to keep our eyes peeled. <laughs> we're going to keep our eyes just looking for how you're going to show up in this situation. And Father, we turn it over to you today in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Every area of our life that has brought fear and pain and worry and anxiety, we turn it over to you, Lord. Lord, there's plenty of people in this room today that are heavy laden, that are carrying the burdens, and they're weighed down. 
and their face is showing it and their body language is showing it and the way they talk is showing it and even the way they worship is showing it at their weight down but today Lord I pray that each and every person that's weighed down in this room would make the conscious decision that as I lift my hands up to you Lord I lift those burdens off of my shoulders and I give them to you because Jesus you're big enough Jesus you're mighty enough Jesus, you, it, you took on the weight of the sin of the whole world. You went down into death in the grave and confiscated the keys. And then you raised yourself from the dead. Lord, if you can do all that, move in my little situation you can move in my frustration you can move in my anxiety God this anxiety is too big for me to carry it's nothing for you I lay it at your feet today every concern and as we leave here today Lord that we rejoice we shout and we behold Give the Lord a hand clap of praise in this place.